Hello again, everyone. I can't believe we're at episode 62 of Re-Educating Dad, the cross-generational talk show where me, Big Tone, I am both at one and the same time, the dad who is being re-educated and, I've decided recently, the dad who is doing the re-educating. As a chance. <laughs> I you might have something to say about that. As ever, joining me on the podcast today is my daughter, Little Tone, who is both doing the re-education and, at one at the same time, being re-educated by her much older and much wiser Big Daddy. Is that a fair summary? No. no. Yeah, well, I thought you I dispute that. <laughs> it's peeing down with rain here in the Cotswolds, peeing down. And I don't think there's any sign of any summer returning in the near future. What's it like there? Um, it's really confusing whether it goes from being really hot one minute to pouring down the next minute to being really hot again. There is no in-between. Well, this Mudslides fits. and droughts. <laughs> yep, this fits neatly with our subject today chosen by you, which is climate change and overpopulation. So why don't you give us your position? I thought I was introing them. You stole my intro. Um, so I think that the conversation worldwide around climate change um, is becoming one of uh, quite serious importance, um, particularly while we're seeing such dramatic weather conditions, although I know some people would dispute that the weather has anything to do with climate change but um, it is a fact that the earth is warming up and we are year on year going a degree higher um, and that is having an effect on the ecosystems that we have in uh, in the world <laughs> and uh, with regards to human population it's about whether the environment can sustain us while we are destroying it and while the population is growing all the time um it seems to, this has been a little bit of a new thing in your thinking has it because i haven't heard you say this before um it hasn't I, i'll be honest with you actually it's something that i got quite worried about when i went to my first veg fest which wasn't with you actually the first veg fest i went to i wasn't even vegan i went with a vegan friend of mine um and uh, there was a charity stall at VegFest, which was about human overpopulation and how the uh, the world can't sustain uh, the increase, the yearly increase in human beings. Um, and it wasn't a very popular stall because people were there to buy nice food and, you know, support animal welfare and everything. And it was quite a depressing um, stall because basically all the information was that uh, we need to control population, human population. And um, at the time, I thought, oh, what a bunch of weirdos. But then um, after reading all the facts, uh, it, it did concern me. Um, okay, let, let's come on to the overpopulation side, because I think that is, is an interesting point. Um, but first of all, I, I'm noticing more and more people of an old... I, older generation talking about worrying about climate change. Uh, that seems to me to be something that I haven't noticed so much before. Uh, 
I think that the argument is pretty much decided. It's pretty much settled science, isn't it? That, that human, human activity is causing uh, warming at such a degree that it's, you know, it's potentially catastrophic. Hence, I don't, so I don't think that is a universal feeling or a scientific fact. I think that that, that you are coming becoming part of the echo chamber in which people care about um, you know, personal politics and stuff like that. And I actually think there's there's a huge amount of people that don't know or don't care about it. No, I said settled science. I don't mean that it's necessarily accepted universally, but within the scientific community i think it's accepted do you do you because i mean there's still a lot of scientists that say the opposite that the that what is happening the 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 earth naturally warms and cools down and actually we're having a very insignificant effect on the planet well i think that that years ago that was there was um, a significant scientific community that said that, but I've noticed that sort of eva evaporating um, as I've listened to the debate over the last decade or so. I think that, I mean, it's now something like 98 point something or other of scientists, I think, that, that have signed up to it. I mean, there's a huge number of scientists have actually signed declarations effectively declaring a, a, a global emergency on climate. So I, th I think it's pretty much settled. I think that the bit that isn't settled is what we do about it. Um, and, and perhaps the thing that isn't settled is the degree of the emergency. So mm. to my mind, it's either an emergency or it isn't. So those who say we have... I think less than 10 years now to do something substantial about this. Um, either those people are correct or they are not correct. If they're correct, then I think bold and drastic action is needed. And I'm, I don't see any evidence of bold and drastic action. Do you? No, not at all. It, it's it's tinkering. I mean, the stuff that I've seen is literally tinkering around the edges and not having any, you know, any significant impact at all. And as I understand it, we can't actually stop the warning warming um, in the foreseeable future. We can only slow it. Uh, CO two that we put in the air now, I think, lasts for about hundred years plus, doesn't it? Something like that, yeah. So, uh, if if it's if it is, I think the first thing that has to be decided. There's this COP twenty six or whatever it's called meeting coming up. I can never remember the name of it, uh, which will be another big talking shop. But I, they've got to decide whether they whether the world thinks the world's leaders think that there's an emergency or not. And if there's an emergency, what are we looking at? realistically what are we looking at are we act, do we actually have less than a decade to turn this thing around um, and if if the answer to those two questions is yes then the solution must involve bold and drastic action and then i want to see what the bold and drastic action strategy plan is 
I want to see it and I want to see it now. Yes. So this, you know, I mean, Norway, for, let, let's just take the, since it's something that I'm very, very passionate about, uh, you know, I believe that we, we really need to move much faster in the direction of electrification of transportation, particularly cars. And uh, if you look at what the government has done on that, it's actually reduced its subsidy for people buying electric cars. Young people who want to buy electric cars cannot because it's outside their price range, well outside their price range. I mean, it's not even remotely feasible for most people. They're far too expensive. What's the, what's the government doing? Well, it gives a subsidy and then it halves it. And it's a pathetic subsidy. Uh, it, it, it hasn't gone in the direction of Norway, which I think is the country that has been the most successful in getting its population to convert to EVs, uh, where there are all kinds of incentives for going electric. Nowhere near it. Not interested. And Boris has a, what does, she, what does he call her? Is it, what does he call her? Don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Boris has a spokesman for the environment or on climate called what's a stupid name? Allegra Stratton. <laughs> Don't say that. Well, it is a stupid name. Um, and you know, so the, what does she say? She says, "I prefer not to drive. I prefer to drive my diesel car." Really. I mean, come on! You you appoint somebody. Well, he has a he has a habit of picking a really bad crew to work with, hasn't he? Well, I'm I, I, I'm not sure I'm going to support that, but I I do. You think, think Hancock was good, do you? Uh, well, <laughs> even I, he doesn't think Hancock was good. Let's, let's not get sucked into the weeds. Um, I, I you know I just think yeah, that this, was a big to, to have question. someone who is who gets up. I think she said a couple of really stupid things. One that she wants, she prefers to drive a diesel car because electric cars take too long to charge and she has to drive 250 miles. Well, both my electric cars go more than 300 miles. So she hasn't done much research. Um, so she says that. Second thing that she says is if you, if you care about the environment, you should, or if you care about climate, you should join the Green Party. That is a really bizarre, stupid thing to say because it's kind of saying, well, not really important if you really care about something so stupid, go enjoy the Green Party. Um, and the third thing she's the, the third offering that she has that I've seen recently is you should you should not rinse your plates before you put them in the dishwasher because that has an adverse impact on uh, climate. I mean, for God's sake, I'd rinse all the plates before I put them in the dishwasher because the dishwasher doesn't work very well if you don't. But you don't have to rinse them with fresh water. You, you put the water in the sink once and you use that same water to rinse all the plates. <sighs> and What are you banging on about? <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, she can't even think, you know, she hasn't got the brains even to think that far. You know, you don't have to have the tap running and run, you know, waste water. Of course you don't. Why? Because they're going in a dishwasher and they're going to be sanitized. So the fact that you're using, reusing the water is not going to be a sanitation problem. You would have thought she would be able to work that out. I think he ought to sack her very quickly. Um, if he's serious about this, it, you know, we've got and to he's have... He's not serious about it. The conservative um, uh, environment policy was that they weren't even going to look at, you know, 
offsetting our um, stuff until t- was it 2030 or something? Well, I don't. I, I don't think that. No, I think that the. I think the noises they've been making, like in their manifesto and generally, are or were the right noises, but they've been backing off them. You know, they're not bold enough to take the act, the sort of drastic action that's needed. We we really need to get serious about this. If if it's the case that it's an emergency, as I say, and we have less than ten years, then we have got to get serious about it. And if it's that's not the case, then let's hear the science that shows that it isn't the case, or that it, for that matter, that it is. I think that the science that it is, is pretty much out there, um, you know, and very easy to find. Uh, any, ro- any, any road up, um, this, this aspect that you mention of overpopulation... I mean, I, I didn't even speak about climate change at all. You just blabbered on about your electric oh, car. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. Actually, it is, but it is something. It, it is something that I do feel strongly about. I, you know, as you know, I live live in a in an eco friendly house, with an air source pump. Um, you know, it's very well insulated, has very low uh, energy consumption. Solar panel on the on the solar panels on the roof. Tesla electric. Uh, but you pack, haven't Tesla you, battery you, in the garage. You'll be able to say that those came at a high price to you, all of those things. Yes, absolutely. You, you invested in all of that stuff, and you would probably be able to say that the, the average person my age can't do that. No, but that's why so, the government's got to help. Yeah, but what I'm, gonna say, what I'm saying is, we've, although we've spoken about it again, like one of the, the biggest things that we can do is stop getting on bloody airplanes. Stop trying to fly, you know, to, yes. to countries to go and... Yes. Um, you know, we've got to stop this expansion of airports because, you know, aviation is so, so bad for the environment. The worst for the environment. That and agriculture, obviously. We're going to go yes. on about agriculture. But if you look at places like um, is the Iceland, who've done such an incredible effort to make all of their energy renewable by, like, what is it? It's by, uh, hydroelectric and geothermal. Is that right? Oh, I don't know. But, but, but they are the most, they're entirely renewable energy sources. Yeah. And that's, that's, we should be looking at stuff like that. We should be looking at protecting our forests because they decrease every year. You know, we keep taking more and more of it out of London to build more flats and pollution. Pollution is responsible as well for the, the heating up of the planet. So well, we, we really we... have to be quite protective over our green spaces. Yeah, I mean, we started this this podcast when lockdown started, and I remember how lovely it was when all the tra- traffic stopped, mm, yeah. um, and the skies went bluer, and you know there were no planes flying overhead, and no, there were almost no cars running around, and I thought it was great. Obviously, you know that that you can't continue to thrive as an economy like that, uh, but. Uh, there are things that that people can do. Um, people like me who can afford it should definitely, uh, you know, go electric um, and go as carbon as near to carbon neutral as they possibly can. I think. Mm, buy your daughter's electric cars too. What? Sorry, what was that? <laughs> what was I that? said, buy your daughter's electric cars. <laughs> <laughs> But the government's got to uh, the the government's got to do its bit, and I don't mean necessarily just 
chucking money at things. I mean, you can do it by way of incentives. You can lower taxes. I suppose that is a, in a way throwing money at it, but you know, that you, you've got to put penal taxes on things which we don't want people to do and carrot taxes, incentivizing taxes, tax breaks on things that we do want them to do. So if you want them to buy an electric car, give them massive tax breaks. Well, you do get a good tax break if you're a profitable company because you can write the cost off against tax, which is a good incentive, no question. But how many people run, you know, own companies? Got to give, you've got to give ordinary workers tax breaks for doing that. That's what I think. Uh, there's things that you can do that don't cost a lot of money. You can go vegan. I, you know, I don't, I think that that will be a huge, huge uh, step, uh, a huge step in the right direction. If people were to um, eliminate meat consumption and dairy consumption, uh, we all know that that has a massive impact on uh, emissions uh, and on land use and water use and you know all the rest of it. And it's an easy thing to do now. Really, people can't bleat on about how much they love meat anymore because you know the the vegan fa- the, the vegan uh, options are just fantastic now. Vegan, though, I would say the only thing is veganism is partially responsible for even worse plastic consumption. Because of cross cross contamination, so the packaging is also nearly always in plastic or double wrapped. Well, packaging is a neutral argument. I mean, it's not that's not to do purely with vegan food. That's to do with all food, and I agree with you that that plastics we've got to do something about. But let's just stick to our knitting. What we're talking about at the moment is things that impact the climate emergency and that will help us plastic and save does, us. Plastic, plastic and land dumping does contribute to the climate emergency. How so? And, you know, I think, what do you mean? Because I mean, our, our so? planet, because it's literally destroying ecosystems. Okay. Uh, that might be right. I'd, I'd, uh, I'm sure it is right. I'm sure there is some truth in that. Uh, but <laughs> Thanks. Moment, no, I'm sure there is. I, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm a, I watch Seaspiracy probably because you, I don't know, you probably recommended it. Um, and I watched that and I was very impacted by it. But, you know, th- we can only do, we can only focus on a certain number of things. And I'm not saying we shouldn't focus on plastic, but, but at the moment we're talking about things that we can do that will have the biggest impact in the shortest possible time. I think cutting out meat consumption is one of those things. And I think um, heavily taxing fossil and fossil fuels is another thing that would have a massive impact. But at the same time, you've got to have carrot tax incentives in place, I think, to encourage people to, to, to conduct the behaviors that you want them to conduct. That's what I think. Yeah, and I think it's also down to personal attitude as well like I think we should be teaching younger generations about how you know how not to litter when you know how not to use energy when you don't need to you know turning lights off to you know not using you know what the water footprint that they use when they're showering I think it's these are all small things but they lead to a much bigger attitude in general uh, it means when we get older we're not as selfish and as uh, you know consuming as 
as uh, we are at the moment. Those things but, are important, but when I listen to younger people, I find that generally they are on board with this. Um, you know, I think that's the type of younger people you're talking to, because, or you, or you know, because if you, if you walk so. around impoverished places, or not even impoverished places, if you walk around places, you'll see litter everywhere. Yeah, you're you'll right. see people disregarding the environment. You'll see people, I saw, you know, the amount of smashed glass I see on the beach when that's, you know, a really important area for wildlife. Um, but I think that it, there also has to be corporate accountability as well, because obviously the, what the individual can do versus what the massive companies can do is almost insignificant. So it's back to this eco side thing. But I think it's important that we, we move on to the... Um, Overpopulation. I, I was just about to say that, yeah. Yeah, because that's a, a really interesting conversation. Do you, want, um, do you want to say your piece on that before I have a rant? Um, this is something that I'm thinking about all the time because I'm at that age in which Tom and I are thinking about having children. And I honestly am not sure how comfortable I feel about bringing a child into a planet that is essentially falling apart and being disregarded. And, you know, is it a responsible thing to... to you know, having, having a child is very, very wasteful. <laughs> Not actually like having a child, but the amount of waste that they produce, a human being produces in its lifetime, is considerable. And But what about, the, what about the joy that they bring? I think that the joy is a selfish thing, personally. Well, everything's a selfish thing. Joy generally is a selfish thing, isn't it? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think a lot of people get get joy out of you know lots of really positive things such like, as like conservation like conservation and well then those conservationists are being selfish because they're getting joy out of it they no, should be I'm joyless it, I, I know I'm it joking, sounds like a, rad, a radical opinion but it, it's just that I'm terrified about what's going to happen to the environment in 10 years if we don't start making you know, movements towards change. And I think bringing a child into that, knowing that, that the environment is declining, you know, the, the, the soil deprivation, the, or is it de deprivation, soil deplete, depletement, whatever, whatever the word is, you know, that, that we're finding it harder to farm crops, that agriculture might not sustain the amount of people that are on the planet. That's a terrifying thing. I don't well, want to have to worry I, I think about my child being I think it's probably also an untrue thing um, because these arguments have been made before. Uh, you know, w when we went through the Industrial Revolution, you know, population started to boom. Uh, the main reason being, of course, that people before the Industrial Revolution used to have many more babies. Uh, but at least half of those babies, very often, 40 to 60% of them, 40 to 70% of them died. So the reason that they were having a large number of children, six or seven children, was because they knew that they were probably going to end up with two or three. Um, that is no longer the case. When the Industrial Revolution came in, uh, improve, there were fantastic improvements in economic standards, in, in uh, sanitary standards, the, the way that people were living, and as a consequence of that, uh, people didn't feel the need to have lots of children in order to hedge their bets. 
uh, and so the, uh, the number of children being born started to fall. And as, for instance, there's contraception, and as there's uh, women, uh, women, women particularly become educated and uh, don't just feel like baby making machines, they have fewer children. Um, and so we should definitely consider talking about male contraception because they've just brought out a male pill. So that might be something. Yeah, yeah. Something I mean, that's been on the cards for some time, and I'm quite happy to discuss that. Um, and I think it's a worthy cause, worthy subject to discuss. But, but I, th- but I think the arguments that that we are going to overpopulate the world are probably overblown. Um, I, I think that the likelihood is that population will plateau and start to decrease. And in fact, you need increasing population in order to fuel economic growth and you need economic growth in order to solve the world's problems and one of the biggest problems as we're discussing is climate change you need resources for that uh there's a lot of money needs to be thrown at it i think that the i think the human species is fantastic at developing ideas for solving problems and i think we can solve these problems i don't think the answer have you gone I can't no, see. No, I'm taking my video off because it's it. Oh, you froze. got a, okay. It froze. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. So, you know, I think we can we can solve these problems through our ingenuity. Um, I can't remember where I was going to go with that now. I I mean I agree. I I don't think that it's a lost cause. I do think that we, you know, we are incredibly innovative, and I think that there is there's absolutely hope that we're able to start building some amazing systems that will protect the environment and do some um, reversible, reversible damage. But, you know, I do worry when I look at, um, you know, biodiversity loss, how many things are affected like the earth's surface and the, obviously the oceans, um, the sort of like the, the fishing, what the fishing industry has done, um, what the wetland areas look like, um, and you know they are in such such bad shape right now that we need to act in order to you know do the do the do reverse the reverse work. I don't know why I can't speak today. I feel like my brain's not working. But um, it's not that I'm completely you know I think the whole situation is completely hopeless. I just think that we need to wake up now. We need to wake up and take some accountability. And I mean. I always say this, but at individuals, we need to look at what we're needlessly buying, what we're throwing back out, the waste that we're causing. You know, when you go out for a walk every day, why not pick up some rubbish? Dad, you go for a walk every single day, don't you? Yeah. Picking up some litter and making sure that it's put in the recycling. I'd like it. Such a small... I'd like it if... Such a small, softless thing. I'd like it if the bloody dog walkers didn't keep keep leaving their pooey dog bags all over the Breeden Hill. I mean, God, what's the matter with Not on the Breeden Hill. Yes. <laughs> i tell you what, one of the biggest problems that we have, though, is persuading other countries like China, Russia, and so on, India, to take this seriously. Because, you know, these countries are inclined to look at us and say, well, you built your prosperity and your dominance on fossil 
fuels, and now you're telling us we can't use them. That, I think, is quite a difficult argument to get around. Um, and so I think that's... Air quality in, um, in uh, you know, in China and in Japan, you know, they, they go, they walk around wearing masks all the time pre-COVID because, yeah. you know, there are some days in Japan where they're told not to go outside because the, yeah. the air quality is so bad. Um, how is that not enough of a, you know, a reason to kind of encourage countries to take this on board seriously you well, know your a, own air word, is not clean enough the, to breathe the answer to your question in a word is money um, but that, when you put money above that's that's a huge problem that says a lot about human rights as well like in those sorts of yeah countries. but the problem is that only money solves these problems uh, you you need economic growth i mean this is what the this is my quarrel with the extinction rebellion uh, cohort is that, that they don't ever, you know, they want to knock capitalism without realizing that it, capitalism led to everything, that every improvement uh, and uh, every aspect of progress, and it will it will solve these problems. It has the or I should put I should say I should put it this way: it has the best chance of all options of solving this problem. So, um, you know, when they, when, when they uh, kick capitalism, I think they are completely barking up the wrong tree. Have I silenced you? Sorry, oh, I lost oh. you. Oh, okay. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I lost you through. So. You lost, sorry, say that again? <laughs> sorry. I said, hopefully I lost you through a really boring speech. <laughs> it, well, it, it may have been. Uh, I was saying that my quarrel, my, 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 did you get it? My quarrel with Extinction Rebellion is they knock capitalism and capitalism cures everything. That was my, that's in summary, because you need the growth. I, I wouldn't know where to begin on giving you my opinion of that, but, but I, I think that there needs to be a big shift in attitude around capitalism and uh, again, putting people before money. Well, we can, we, um, we, can certainly, we can certainly reserve a, a slot to discuss that, but, but it just happens to be a fact that, that all progress is paid for by capitalism. It's by profits. It's not, it doesn't come from any other way other than that. All other systems have failed, and that has been spectacularly successful. Um, does it need curbing? Does it need managing? Does it need controlling? Of course it does. It need regulation? Of course it does. Uh, but to, to, you, know, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Anyway, final words from you, Little Tone. Stop taking airplane flights. I have, I have stopped. I have stopped. No, not you. Oh. Not you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I agree with that. I, 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 I don't... And, and this is the other thing that's wrong about Boris's government. They're now sort of saying people really need to get on planes and go and have meetings. I don't think find that. My, my company's been, never been more successful than it is right now, and we don't get on planes. <laughs> we don't need to. You can, have, you, can, you can manage a global business perfectly well 
I don't see any problem with doing it on um, video meetings. It works very well. They're more efficient, in my opinion, in every way. So, I've said a lot today, haven't I? Yeah, you have. I've dominated the <laughs> conversation. Back and let you... That's fine. It's fine. You're a man. <laughs> I'm a man and I'm a big, fat capitalist with a big mouth. And you're a Tory. <laughs> and I'm a Tory and proud of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry are you heaving in the background <laughs> yeah okay. that's that's the extent of my my uh what i can add to the conversation today okay but. well i look forward to hearing the views of our listeners um who are generally always on your side and uh want to beat me up but that's fine i don't mind um i have broad shoulders but I genuinely would like to hear solutions, what pe other people's views are about the solutions to, or what we should be doing about the climate situation. Do you think it's an emergency? Do you think it's not an emergency? Is this something that we've really got to do something substantial about in the next 10 years? And if so, what, are, what do you think are the things which need to be, we need to do? What changes in our daily lives can we make uh, that really will have an impact on this problem? Or are we just going to sleepwalk our way into extinction? Because it, that's what it's feeling like. It might sound dramatic, but you know, if the science is to be believed, then that's what we're doing, and we've got to do something about it. Anyway, let's hear your views. For now, uh, that's all from me. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye from you as well in Hastings with your failing internet connection. <laughs> Anyway, thanks very much, little Tone. <laughs> anyway, see you, everybody, next time. Thank you. Bye.